good morning. There now follows uh, an ending to this show. Uh, well, I want to end the show in an organised fashion, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to organise this. I'm not finished making it yet, but I'm going to do this first and get it done. And uh, the first, oh, the first New Year episode in seven years after the big long thing. So I'm going to do this properly now. I'm going to I'm going to do it several times just to make sure. And then I'll use whichever one works well. I'll use it at the end. Anyway, good morning. Anyway, good morning. Anyway, good morning. Anyway, good morning. A note to self during the editing process. I've just taken off my glasses. Uh, no particular reason, it's just something I do. But they're in my left hand if you're looking for them. Anyway, good morning. Anyway, good morning. Anyway. Good morning. Anyway. Good morning. Anyway. Good morning. Anyway. Good morning. Now, that's that done now. Uh, so now we'll do this bit. We'll go. This is a prelude to today's episode of Int Odo Weto, because I've already started doing a thing called the prologue. And now that you mention it, I think I was doing the prologue when I mislaid my glasses. Was that when that happened? I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. Everything's a mess at the moment, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to turn off this toilet light. Annoying don't worry, I'm not in the toilet. I'm just outside the on the door of the ensuite toilet of this bedroom. Not fucking podcasting from inside the toilet. Haven't done that in many years. Uh, that was back in my days of using a portable voice recorder. I used to record in the toilet a lot. Uh, but no, not nowadays. We do things properly now. And, oh, I'd probably drop it down the toilet anyway if I went in there. That's, that's what would happen. I'd drop everything down the toilet and I'd never find it again until I left the room and went out and got told, oh, it's all on your head. The voice recorder is on your head and so is the toilet and so are the three cats who I haven't been seen since you went in to record two hours ago. And so is your, oh, so is your half bottle of Coke that you thought you were being clever putting it on the bed so you wouldn't be making a noisily clicking at it like you were the last episode, uh, swishing it around absentmindedly like this. I'm not doing it absentmindedly this time. I do genuinely need to tip from this bottle. Yeah. I think it's because I talk about the toilet. And look, the toilet door is open now. I can see into it. And I think it's, that's made me thirsty. Is that how that works? Because when you think about drinking something, it makes you realise you need a piss. So why shouldn't it work the other way around as well? That when you see a toilet... I know it sounds weird to you. I know it sounds weird to me normally as well. But you're thinking outside the box. If you see a toilet or a urinal or maybe a dog urinating in the street... Uh, or something like that, or you see, maybe you see a plane flying overhead that thinks it's, oh, it thinks it's over the ocean and it's dumping the contents of its toilet tank down on you. Uh, but no, obviously not on you, it's probably a mile away down on the Esplanade over Bono's house or somewhere during a flood. Uh, or you see, oh, you just see a toilet during the course of your day. During the normal run-of-the-mill course of your day, you see a toilet. Why wouldn't that make you thirsty? Or remind you that you are thirsty? Or make you realise that you're thirsty? Or make you realise that you haven't taken action to avoid becoming thirsty? Perfectly normal. It doesn't mean you want to drink piss or anything. It doesn't mean you want to drink out of the toilet, sister. No, no. It's not trying to make it weird. Perfectly normal. Normal. If you see a toilet during the course of your day, there's no reason why that wouldn't make you thirsty. It's the most natural thing in the world. You see a toilet, makes you thirsty. In fact, that's why a lot of the shopping malls in Dublin, you go down into one of these public toilets in the shopping malls, they're usually, oh, they're usually down the three-mile corridor, because God forbid they should use more than 10 feet of shopping centre frontage for something other than a shop window. No, no. 
they bring you down a long corridor that brings you down to the other side of town and then there's the toilets and then you go into the toilets and you have a piss and then you come out and there's a vending machine there's a vending machine right there in the corridor selling drinks and that vending machine isn't there for no reason it's there because someone realized that people come out of the toilet and they're thirsty and they buy drinks. And enough of them anyway do it to make that vending machine commercially viable, even if you don't do it. So if you're the one who's coming out and not wanting to use the vending machine, that means you're in the minority because there's the fact the, machi the machine is there, the drinks vending machine means that there's enough people coming out of that gentleman's public toilets wanting to buy a drink out of the vending machine to make it commercially viable and if you can make something commercially viable that's three miles down the end of a corridor nowhere near the the mall itself uh then that surely means how much imagine how many people must be using that that's fucking amazing that is so now uh i hope you understand now it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say that if you see a toilet perfectly natural that it would make you make you thirsty or make you realize you're thirsty it was the most natural thing in the world there he is again i see i just see the front of the the toilet the bit that you ah you know the front bit if you were sitting down and facing out uh that's where well that's where that bit would be just behind your knees the front of the rim i suppose you call it uh, I don't know if I can see the seat. I can see where the seat would be if the seat was down. I can't see whether it's the actual seat or just the rim that's under the seat. I uh, can't really see it, to be perfectly honest. It's rather blurry. But still, no, it's definitely the toilet. And it's making me think, I'm thirsty. Just so happens there's a little bottle of Coke in my hand here. So we have the perfect solution. I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, he's drinking all that and that's making him think of pissing. And he thinks that he's thinking of pissing and it's making him thirsty when in fact it's the complete opposite. I am not. I barely drunk anything during this show. This is the first time I've picked up this bottle. So there's no way I could be in need of a piss or thinking of a piss or anything. I didn't even notice the toilet till about five or ten minutes ago. Uh, so no, don't give me that crap. Anyway, on with the show. This is a prologue to today's episode of Into Your Head Podcast Hello. Today's episode of Into Your Head Podcast Hello. Uh, I'd say it's about half made by now. I think I've made about 40 minutes of it. Uh, it's very cat and dog heavy. But uh, don't worry, it's not the usual stuff where it's two cats walk into a bar. Or once upon a time there was a dog. I mean, they all start like that, but they go all over the place. There's a lot of humans involved as well. Uh, there's something about an office where uh, you see it's not old, it's not what it seems. And you realise, oh, well, I won't give it away now. Uh, just suffice to say, if you hear me during the show going, once upon a time there was a dog, a dog, a dog. Uh, basically a dog and you think oh christ he starts everything like that now it's either that or two cats walk into a bar which reminds me if you hear me during this show going two cats walk into a bar uh don't worry it starts off like that but that's just how it gets started it goes it goes takes all sorts of twists and turns uh, it's like a meandering row world a meandering road that goes up to the moon. If there was a, if they had a road here that was going from here to the moon, uh, it wouldn't go in a straight line. Uh, if there was a meander, well, for one thing, if there was a road going from here to the moon, it wasn't built yesterday. It wasn't built in one day. It took millions of years to build. So they presumed they started building it millions of years ago, and road building technology millions of years ago wasn't all that advanced for one thing and for another uh, nor was navigation so the some well-meaning fellow millions of years ago who said maybe he was a roman centurion or something and he said we're going to build a road to the moon now i don't know which way the moon is it seems to move around every day uh so 
Ah, uh, well, don't worry if the road starts having twists and turns. It's just we have to twist and turn every day to keep on track for wherever the moon is. Appears to be that day. But we'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. Rome wasn't built in a day, as you know. Ah, uh, well, as I know, being a Roman centurion. Wait, is a centurion the fellow who's in charge of the roads? Wait, a centurion is some kind of a soldier or something, is it? But maybe he's a... Oh, maybe. Well, for one thing, I suppose he could be a, 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 an engineer in the military, but he could also be a fella who's a, oh, he's an engineer who looks after roads as his day job, and then at night he's some sort of a backup in the, oh, public civil defence, voluntary civil defence people, you know the fellas. They, have, they used to have them here. They usually go around in yellow coats and yellow vans. And they're there if, in case the, oh, in case the whole country falls under a, a storm cloud or something, they're there available if they're ever needed. Which never are. They're never needed. Oh, wait, are they? I think I remember in Hurricane Charlie in the 1980s, we had a lot of rain and then they were needed. But what were they needed for? I don't know. I think they had a lot of raincoats and they provided them. Uh, my mem my main memories of Hurricane Charlie uh, were being living up on a small hill beside the sea, looking over an esplanade a mile away. And a view down over the esplanade. And you could see the road flooding. The sea was coming in over the esplanade and the beach and the promenade and onto the road and coming all the way up to... What was at one point Bono's house and another place there was at one point Sinead O'Connor's house and they all just looked like water that day. It was all just water everywhere, water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink, uh, excepting the 20 pubs that used to be in that town at the time. Uh, that's what Hurricane Charlie was. It wasn't even a hurricane by the time it got here, but it still managed to flood everybody, except us, because we were up on a hill. Although now that you mention it, uh, uh, we had a balcony at the back that was, uh, well, it was 10 feet up off the ground, uh, not not uh, not drowned in water. At uh, the bottom of the ornate rails surrounding the balcony, uh, were about an inch off the ground, which meant there was a one inch high wall. Uh, so you get one inch of water building up on the balcony surface before it overflowed between the between the rails. Uh, so that's as much flooding as we had. And of course, you could go out with a stick and poke a hole, poke. The drain, there was a little drainage hole in the balcony, so if you poked that with a stick, then you could drain it off more quickly. If you, if you felt the need, but why would you? Why would you want to do that? It's like having a... Yeah, look, we were up on this hill, there was about a... Oh, it was a couple... Uh, I don't know how you measure these things. There was up on the foot of a small mountain, though, and we were looking down on the sea and the esplanade, and we could see half the esplanade flooding. Uh, but we also had this mini miniature uh, recreation of it on our balcony that we could look at. It was like have, it was like having a little model airplane. It was like if you're watching an airplane crashing very slowly in the sky, but you also have a model airplane in your in your kitchen and you're recreating that uh, except that it's recreating it automatically because you were looking at this little balcony uh, kind of sort of half flooding but not with any danger and there was like a little mini uh, oh, a mini representation of what you were seeing going on down on the seafront in front of uh, not Bono's house, but probably was at some point and later Sinead O'Connor's house or earlier, I don't know which uh, they were getting water all over the road there and you could see it flooding from oh half a mile away. Absolutely fantastic. We had this little mini, uh, like a mini thing. So I'm not explaining it very well, am I? I don't know. Oh, like, do you want me to try and explain it again? I probably could, but it'll get a bit repetitive. Uh, basically, we were living on a small hill called Brayhead. Uh, we were looking down on the town. We could see the sea and the coast and the beach and the promenade and the road and the esplanade. And the, the road down beside the esplanade was covered in water because of the big storm. And uh, you could see the roads flooding and the car parks flooding. Uh, and we were all safe up on the hill. Well, we had a we had a mini. Uh, what I'm saying and what's very poetic about my observation here 
is that we had like a mini representation of that up on my, ah, up on our balcony, uh, our balcony, which was safely up off the ground because uh, the house, the back of the house that was facing down the hill was about 10 feet up off the ground and there was a balcony there that we looked out on and the water got at most an inch t- an inch high on the balcony and you could watch it overflowing a bit when they got full and that was just like watching a little version of the flood where are my fucking glasses that's why that's the next thing oh, where are they where are my fucking glasses uh, what you're thinking there you're thinking oh he's about 20 minutes into the show now or else you're thinking he's about 40 minutes into the show now or else you're thinking he's about 70 minutes into the show now and it's nearly at an end or else you're thinking he hasn't started the show yet and he started it with a i know what you're thinking there uh, i don't really know which because i don't know where i'm going to place this in the show yet the fact that I even know what you're thinking at all is quite amazing since I don't even know when you're thinking it. I'm, I'm recording this earlier. I have no idea where this is going to go in the proceedings. The lineup is all a mess. Everything is awry now. The schedule and the running order is completely messed up because of the glasses incident, which you'll hear about either earlier or later. So I don't know where this is going to be. For all I know, as I record this, I've just spent the last eight hours finding my glasses again after losing them for the second time and realizing they were on my uh, oh they were between my the left wing of my glasses was between the the second and third toe on my right foot and the other wing of my glasses was shoved up my cat's arse who happened to be under the bed here it could happen it could happen because usually you come in here to record in the spare room and about half an hour into it it emerges that one of the cats is sleeping in the corner here and it suddenly gets up after hearing hearing someone calling it for food and it gets up in a panic and says let me out immediately let me out i don't want to be in here in this hellhole spare bedroom for another minute I can hear myself being called for food and I can hear the other cats. Oh, I can hear the other cats selfishly eating it and eating it as fast as they can so that by the time I get out of this hellhole bedroom in which I'm stuck in here, listening to you telling dog stories and losing your glasses, by the time I get out of here, it could be all gone. So let me out immediately. So it starts clawing at the door. And usually I say, relax, Ginny, relax, take a chill pill. I'm coming over now. I'm going to open the door for you. And then Ginny says, oh, Christ, he's coming over to me. I'm going to go and hide. I don't want a human being near me, especially while I'm in this state, in this condition. No, no, it's not that she's antisocial or anything. She's a perfectly normal, friendly cat. But she doesn't want humans near her when she's trying to get a human to open the door and let her out. Because she doesn't want me to see her all upset in a in a panic, in a disorganised panic. She's worried that I might think less of her if I see her like that. But no, Ginny, you just seen me spend 10 minutes trying to find my glasses that were on my face. You know full well, you, you've been a cat for long enough to know full well that you usually people, people when they were about 90, they go around saying, oh, I can't find my glasses and it turns out they're on my head. But they don't usually turn out to be on their face. No, they turn out to be on their head. I had checked my head and all. So Ginny, you got to see that. So don't worry about me seeing you in one of your embarrassing conditions. Uh, just relax there or let you out. That's what I would say. Now, uh, I don't know if she's left or anything at the moment, but that's the, that's not really the point. Point is, I don't know where in the proceedings this is going to go, so I don't know what you're thinking. And the fact that I started this by saying I know what you're thinking there, well, that was overambitious now that I think about it. And I probably didn't end up saying what you're thinking. Uh, in fact, I didn't even try, did I? No. 
I said, I know what you're thinking there. And then what did I say? Oh, I may as well said some nonsense about it. Oh, yes, I covered all angles. I said, I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, oh, it's 20 minutes into the show. Or, oh, it's 40 minutes into the show. Or, oh, it's nearly over. Or, oh, it hasn't started yet. And he's doing this. So I covered all base. Uh, I said, that's what you're thinking there. Well, I could edit this after the fact and say, I know what you're thinking there, you're thinking, and then I'll put in whatever you obviously would have been thinking uh, based on where I'm going to slot this in. But I'm not going to do that because I will be intellectually dishonest. And I'm not going to be intellectually dishonest. I, I, actually, I won't do that. Uh, I won't do that. I won't do... It's like that... What's that meatloaf song? Uh, not the one about I won't do that. The other one. What's the other one? Well, it's not one that I was thinking about just now. I was just thinking, what's that other meatloaf song? The one about... Uh, I'm sure someone has a song about meatloaf. Because uh, I don't want to do that. I don't do... Because uh, a bit fucking obvious when it goes, whoever I did, I went, I won't do that. What's that meatloaf song? And then get out my harmonica. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go, uh, oh, look, meatloaf. What's that meatloaf song? And there's probably some, oh, there's probably some novelty song about meatloaf. What's that English band who did the, I got a brand new combine harvester. They probably did one about their favorite dish, meatloaf. I should start doing that. Uh, so I'll look that up later and see if I can find a novelty song about meatloaf and I'll slot that in. Uh, and that won't be intellectually dishonest because there's nothing intellectual about it. I'm not trying to sound intellectual, so that'll be okay. So there you go. I'll do that. I won't do that other thing, uh, but I will do that. Uh, I hope you can see the difference. One is intellectually dishonest and one is... Uh, well, one is has nothing to do with intellectualism. It's about remembering a stupid pop culture thing, uh, pretending to remember a novelty song about meatloaf, uh, which I will uh, successfully do by looking it up later and finding a song about meatloaf and slotting it in here. Uh, so I will do that. Anyway, on with the show. Now, uh, I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, oh, he hasn't done the meatloaf song yet. Uh, not the, uh, not the I'll do anything for love song that, he was, that I thought he might have been going to slot in. But the thing where he said he was going to look up a song about meatloaf, some novelty song maybe by the, for example, that uh, British, uh, oh, that British band who did the I Got A Brand New Combine Harvester, maybe something like that, and they did a song about the dish meatloaf. He said he was going to look that up and then do it on his, his harmonica and whatever and slot that in and pretend that he uh, did that on the fly. But he hasn't done that yet. I wonder when he's going to do that. That's what you're thinking. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Uh, well, for one thing, I'm not going to go looking it up and learning a whole new song about meatloaf uh, just so I can do that. I've been here all night. There. I've already lost several minutes and uh, my dignity going out to my wife saying I need help finding my glasses. I'm not going to start look up a song sung by the Wurzels that probably doesn't exist uh, or some other crowd. Uh, it's probably, there might be some status quo song or so. I bet you it's some, some English crowd. That's maybe status quo probably have one where they, uh, where's my, where's my, not a banjo, but it's whatever that thing that's like a banjo is. A status quo probably have a song that goes something along the lines of, Oh, meat loaf the dish, meat loaf the dish. Meatloaf, the meatloaf. But no, I don't. I wouldn't want to do a status quo song. But I'm thinking maybe, uh, what's that other crowd? Is it? Ch I think it's Charles and Dave. Oh, they did all these songs about real life. They did stuff like, uh, You can't get me, I'm part of the union. You can't get me, I'm part of the union. You can't get me, I'm part of the union. Till the day I die. Till the day I die. Uh, one of them died quite recently, and that was Chaz and Dave. And they were down to earth, no ordinary, good old fashioned English people, and they did stuff like that. So I'd say they might well have done a song about meatloaf, but it's probably rather serious. It's probably making some point about food or something, or about 
oh, about uh, being on uh, being on the dole or whatever and not being able to afford a decent meatloaf or being good at making a meatloaf. There'll be something about how Oh, about how they developed a good meatloaf recipe because they were unemployed for half their lives. So they went down to the job centre and they said, oh, there's a job here for someone who can make meatloaf. And they'll do us three verses about how they went off to try and learn a meatloaf recipe. And they they went back to the job centre and they said, oh, I'm very sorry, there was an error. Uh, it was a thing about, uh, it was a songwriting thing. There was this American lunatic called Meatloaf. And he was, oh, we thought he wanted a, a song about Meatloaf. But no, he's just, I don't know what he's doing. He probably wants someone to, to build his stage where for when he comes over here with his guitar. And it was a proper guitar as well, I can tell you. Not that little toy ukulele there. Uh, well, do that song again, though. That was good. And then Chaz and Dave will go, You can't get me, I'm part of the union. You can't get me, I'm part of the union. You can't get me, I'm part of the union. Till the day I die. And then the job centre people will say, That's very interesting now. Uh, you didn't put anything on your form here about your ability to sing. Uh, or the, you're, you're in a union though, so you already have a job. So why are you down here at the job centre? Is this some sort of a scam? It's just a scam, that's what it is. Get out of my job centre. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Chaz and Dave, get out, 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 get out. And then also, also turn up as well and I'll say, get out of my podcast, Chaz and Dave, because uh, I'm not really comfortable with nothing against all these English novelty bands and all these English... Lo- uh, can, all these uh, it's just that there's been three English different English bands in a row discussed here today and uh, people come on here looking for something Irish and they're going to, they're going to start saying he's a West Brit because that's what they say here if you see anything about anything from England uh, in anything less than Oh, anything less than unpositive tones to say, he's a West Brit. He's a West Brit. Why don't you go off and marry the Queen? And I'll say, well, for one thing, that's not a thing. You can't marry your Queen. Uh, if she's a Queen, she's already the Queen, or else she's, uh, well, I suppose you'd be the Queen whose husband is dead. But then they'd be the Queen Mother or something if you're lucky. You're not the Queen anymore. Uh, neither is she. She's not the Queen anymore, so... Uh, don't be going, give me that crap. Well, no, you can't do that. Say, he's talking about, he said, stay his quo, Chaz and Dave, whoever the fuck they are. And I think the Wurzels, he never said it was the Wurzels, but those are the people who did that. I happen to know, despite attacking him for being a West Brit, I happen to know that the novelty band he was talking about who did the combine harvester thing was the Wurzels. Uh, so he's a West Brit. Well, what you haven't mentioned uh, is that the, the uh, oh, the, the novelty song that the English band, the Wurzels, did about the combine harvester uh, was a remake of a song that was performed by Irish comedian Brendan Grace, uh, who I understand wrote it. And you didn't know that. So you're a fucking... Oh, you're a fucking uh, East French person, or whatever the rude thing I'm supposed to say about you is. I'm not going to say a rude thing about you, though, because I don't say rude things about people just for knowing bits about popular culture from another country. Would you go away out with that? Get a life for yourself. Go and do something with... Oh, I don't know, whatever it is you do. Go and do something else. Go and do a... Oh, go and do a... I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to go and do. I'm not. I'm not your boss. Go and ask someone else what your what your probably the IRA or something. I don't ask the IRA what to do. Uh, they'll probably say call him a West Brit, and then run away, and then hope he doesn't remember to come back with a retort. Because uh, he sounds like he might have a. He sounds like he might have a bit of a. A bit of spunk in him, so you might get a, a debate going, and then you you won't that won't work out for you very well because your debating skills aren't all that great. Not that everyone has to be a debater. No, no, perfectly fine not to be a debater. Uh, just you don't want to be seen not to be a debater, which I think is understandable. I wouldn't want to be seen not to be a debater.
especially if this was a debating format. Uh, thankfully, it's not. It's not a debating format, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to tell you, if you think that this is a debating format and you're running around to get away from me now because you're afraid to be caught out, that's fine. You can carry on thinking that. If it gets rid of you, if it gets you out of here fast enough, faster, uh, don't you come in here. You're calling me a West Brit. Yeah, fucking bollocks. Would you go way out with that West Brit? That's not even a clever thing. To say. That's been, I've been saying that for... Uh, I suppose it is a bit clever. Because it means uh, you're, it's like they're saying you're accusing you of being uh, British, uh, but West Brit. Because Ireland is west of Britain. And they'll say, oh, he's from like that thing where, oh, because he's over here, but he's in the west of Britain. It's like that fella... Uh, that fella who, remember there was that fella who came over here and the, he got a song written for himself about the fields of Atten Rye. Uh, he said, oh, uh, they wrote a song. They said, uh, they stole his corn. Trevallion, that was his name. They did a song. Uh, some fella stole Trevallion's corn and then they were sent off to some prison ship that's waiting in the bay. And then uh, and then five, five million Irish people died in a famine as a result. Uh, he'd, he'd call you. That's the kind of person who he'd, you, you'd call a West Brit. And you're calling me that. You're saying, you're Trevallion. You're Trev your name is Trevallion. That's what it is. Your is your name Trevallion? It probably is. Uh, these people were delighted about a year ago when it turned out there was some fella in the British House of Lords whose name actually is Trevallion. I wasn't in the House of Lords. Maybe he was over here and he was running a... Uh, was he running a floppy disk company in Ireland or something? I can't remember the exact details, but I remember some people got excited about it. They said, oh, his name is Trevallion. Isn't that great? Same name as the fella in the song who owned all the corn in Ireland uh, that he wouldn't let anyone have or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, down with the IRA and also down with Trevallion, but also not down with uh, the Chaz and Dave people who you get all annoyed about. And not down with the... Oh, not down with the with the Combine Harvester song, uh, which you didn't even realise was originally penned by an Irish fella, a very well-known Irish novelty comedian fella. Uh, well, that's what I read somewhere anyway. It may turn out to be incorrect, but I don't think so. I did read somewhere that Brendan Grace was obsessed with Combine Harvesters at one point. Uh, so no, and then there's status quo. Now, uh, on that point, uh, they're obnoxious and intolerable and should all be uh, removed from every record shop in the country. But that doesn't mean you hate them or you say you're a West Brisk because you mentioned them. You do not. You do not. Uh, no more than you're a, a West British because you mentioned Queen. You are not. I mentioned Queen several times in this show. I almost never mentioned Death Queen. I mentioned Queen. And just because Brian May stood up on the roof of the Buckingham Palace and played God Save the Queen on his guitar on her birthday or something, uh, you think there's some sort of a connection. There is not. And when they come over here, they don't play God Save the Queen at the end of their concerts. They take the week off. So no. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, the, the, the upshot of it all is that everything's fine. Everything's fine. Good morning. Oh, I probably won't need all the good mornings that I recorded earlier now because I just said it in there naturally. That's great. Good morning. Into your head. Once upon a time, there was a dog. A dog. A dog. Uh, I won't milk it this week. Uh, basically, it was a dog. A dog. And this dog was sitting there. Ah, oh, sitting there, minding its own business. Uh, well, that's, I suppose that's, uh, I suppose that's uh, debatable whether the dog was minding its own business. Because uh, what is a dog's business? That's the question for you. What is a dog's business? Is it business to, oh, I don't know, is it business? Maybe it's business is everything. Has that occurred to you? Maybe it's a dog's business to, to, uh, listen, think about everything about you, to think about, oh, think about everything. Every little aspect of your life, a complete stranger who the dog has never met on the other side of the word, world, has it ever occurred to you that it's that dog's natural business to think about you all day? Maybe it's that dog's natural business, uh, according to nature, uh, to, uh, 
obsess over whether or not you've pissed your pants this week or whether, oh, whether you've had a a bowl of cornflakes today or whether you've, uh, I don't know, whatever else. Maybe that's the dog's natural business to think about you all day. Uh, That's the thing, because dogs are... Uh, anyone who's met a dog you'll know that they do obsess over their owners and if they don't if they don't have an owner surely they're perfectly entitled to obsess over someone who's not their owner that's perfectly natural or someone who they think is their owner it's not like they can go and look her up on the registry of dog ownership somewhere they can't go down to the register of births deaths and marriages and look up and see oh who's my owner tell me who's my owner here because for one thing, they'd look that up there down in the in the local office and they say, wait a minute, this is the register of births, deaths and marriages. You're a dog. Uh, now, you may well have been born, but you're not a human, so you're not registered here on a birth cert. Uh, you may well be adopted, but that's not a matter for us. Uh, I mean, there may well be some de- department in the some office in the Department of Agriculture or animals or somewhere that registers dogs adoption. I have no idea, nothing to do with me. Couldn't really care less. It's not. It's really not my area as a as a public servant in the in the Department of oh, in this case, the Department of Health, which has a local office that registers births marriages and deaths uh no no they'll still give the dog short shrift i can tell you and they're not necessarily being rude they're doing their job because that office has a lot of people coming in there now every five minutes and for the last couple of years they'd have they've had a system whereby they have to oh they have to be careful about covid so if you have to have go out down there for anything now you're making an appointment online and then you go up and you find the doors and you stand outside and they come up and they open the doors a tiny bit and they say, hello, what do you want? And you'll say, hello, I have an appointment. I made an appointment online to come here between 9.47am and 9.49am and register a dog adoption. And they'll say, are you a dog? And the dog will say, yes, I am. And they'll say, well, this is the Department of Health. We do have a section here dealing with the registration of births, deaths and marriages and possibly adoptions, but not of dogs. I think you want the Department of Agriculture or somewhere like that. I suppose technically I should be inclined to look it up for you, seeing as how that is another branch of government and therefore another section of the business for which I work. I'm not going to. Don't have to. You don't have an appointment for that. You have an appointment for this. You have an appointment for this, but what you're coming in here thinking you're going to do is that. And that's not what we do here. We don't do that. We just do this. So to summarize, dog, you've made an appointment to do this, meaning register a I'll register a birth or a death or a marriage or a human adoption. But when in actual fact what you're wanting to do is look up a Oh, not even register a dog adoption is to look into whether you were adopted or you adopted someone or wherever it is. So no, go away. And the dog will say, that's a bit rude. And they'll say, so what? This is the Department of Health. You can't just come in here eight years after a major health crisis and you're a dog. Do you have fleas? You probably do. Do you have fleas? I've no way of knowing because I'm not a I'm not in the veterinary department. There isn't even a veterinary department. It's the Department of Human Health. That's the Department of Agriculture you want. Uh, I'm not sure if they even have an office in this town anymore. The narrator of this podcast worked for the Department of Agriculture about 20 years ago for a while, so he'd probably know that. Well, he wouldn't know it anymore, and he thinks he knows about what we do in here, because he came in here a few months ago to to register a death or something and then he came in a few months before that to register not being able to see anymore or something he thinks he knows everything about what we do in here he thinks he has our measure and now he's narrating all this crap but if he knows that much then why is he sending a fictional dog in here when you know it's full well we don't do anything with dogs Uh, dogs isn't our thing we have nothing to do with dogs in here the closest we do in here to have anything to do with dogs 
is when they come up to the doors and we ask them, do you have an appointment? And they'll say, oh, all proud of themselves. they say, yes, I do indeed. I have an appointment with the registry department for between 9.47am and 9.49am. I even printed it out. I have it here. And the dog will show me a thing saying he has an appointment for between 9.47am and 9.49pm. And sure enough, the dog looks at his watch and it says it's 9.47am now all proud of himself thinking oh i've got her now she has to let me in but no i just go no dog we don't deal with dogs here unless they're registering a human birth or a human death or something in which i think we probably still don't deal with dogs because i don't think you can be a dog and put yourself down as the official reporter of a death or whatever we do in here no so no they've no he may well have made an appointment, but it was a wasted appointment. He's wasted, basically he's wasted our time. He's wasted our time. The automated online system set two minutes of my time aside for this, and he comes in here with all this stuff, and it's nothing to do with us at all. As well as probably we should have a thing on the booking system online where it asks you if you're a dog and then it automatically goes, if you're a dog, you might have the wrong branch of government entirely because we deal with humans in here. The problem with that is litigation and all sorts of things. See, I don't want to be doing that. And so the dog gets sent off about his business and then he says, oh, wait, I remember my owner uh, telling me that he used to work in the agricultural department and they dealt with animals and I could go down and find out there whether I've been adopted but wait a minute did I just say I have an owner well then I already know that I'm adopted so what am I talking about oh wait though that wasn't my owner though that was just the narrator of this story he, he's not claiming to be my owner he's not claiming to be my owner uh, he's no interest in adopting me or anything he just wants to get he just wants to get value out of me, out of a, a story about me for his fucking podcast. Absolute, absolute arsehole cunt. Absolute arsehole cunt narrator doing his little podcast here. Comes on here and says, oh, there's a poor unfortunate dog, all excited. Goes on with his computer and goes, oh, look, here's the registry of births and deaths and marriages and adoptions. I'll make a proper appointment here. I'll do all the red tape properly and I'll turn up and be all polite. And then he gets rejected. And that fella thinks that's fodder for some podcast that's not even about, no, it's not even about using public services. It's just some nonsense, some nonsense drivel program that he does. Absolutely appalled. I feel used as a dog, I can tell you. I feel used as be damned. Absolutely, I feel used. I feel like, oh, I basically feel like someone's come in here and basically sucked all the blood out of me. Uh, now, they've given me the blood back, obviously, because I'm still alive. Uh, but then they put the blood through the the blood donation system in their own name so they can get credit for it and get a free pint of Guinness or something. And then they've gone and because uh, they've given away all their blood they've had to go and get a transfusion so then they get the blood back and then they get the blood back and then of course when you have a transfusion suddenly you feel extremely energetic all of a sudden uh, so then they'll go oh I have too much blood now I'm going to go make a donation but instead of making the donation well not instead of they make the donation but then they'll say oh this is for the dog here I'm giving this back to the dog uh, now, how does that leave me getting my blood put back into me? I don't know. This story hasn't been thought through properly. Uh, but somehow I'm alive, so I presume I get the blood back somehow. I mean, it stands to reason, doesn't it? This is a stand to reason. Anyway, I'm a dog no, anyway, so well. there you go. On with the show. I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, oh, that's a, that's a dog. He's going on about that dog very passionately. He really cares about that dog doesn't he he cares a lot about that dog well at least he cares about the dog for the the two minute window during which it has an appointment in that uh, local public office uh, that doesn't work out for him uh, i think that fella i don't think he cares about the dog at all i think he's just he's just using this to vent about uh, some public service office that he's had issues with and he's trying to do it to a fictional dog he's using a dog a fictional dog 
to complain, basically. They probably went up. And you know what probably happened? He probably went to some local department and said, Hello, I want to register the fact that I've been adopted by a dog. And they said, Oh, I'm very sorry, sir. Uh, we only deal with animals here. You appear to be a human. I did ask you on the website. I did ask, Are you a dog or a human? Now, I don't know what you put. Uh, I can see your, I can see your vision impaired there. You're carrying a little white cane, but I presume you know whether you're a dog or a human. So when you selected dog or human on the website, and you selected, oh, you selected human. I assume you knew what you were doing. Uh, well, we don't deal with humans here. We deal with dogs. Well, I say we don't deal with humans. Obviously, the staff here are human. We're very human. Uh, we're very, very human. I'm very... I'm one of the most human people you know. Well, you don't know me. I'm one of the most human people you can come across, though, in an office. Uh, in fact, most people in offices are. Most of the people who work in offices are some of the most human people you could ever meet. Uh, not a more human... We went round the, round the streets now for half an hour and went round actively looking for the most human people you could find I can tell you you wouldn't find anyone more human than most of the people who work in offices now uh, there's people in offices though who don't work there uh, especially for example in a in a veterinary office for example there would be animals in there like they're going to the vets for example there might be some uh, tourists or something who's going to the vet and you come across them in offices and often in a veterinary office uh 50% of the people in the office, although they don't work there, uh, they are in the office. So they're 50% of the office population and those are animals. Although, now that I think about it, uh, the people who work in the office are not part of the office population because it's not like they're residents. They don't live there. They work there during the day. And the animals are more likely to be part of the population because they, well, they at least reside there for a while like they would in a hospital. Uh, so, uh, so in fact, in a lot of those veterinary offices, the entire population is made up of animals and the humans are just the staff. So I suppose you have a point. He has a point there. Oh, someone has a point there. Whoever said this has a point. Can't remember where it was going or who were saying it. Uh, was it a, was it an imaginary listener complaining about me talking about a dog and using the dog as a vessel to moan about some government office I don't, I don't know well that's not what I was doing anyway I was just telling a story about a dog that was based on experiences I've had it wasn't meant as a big huge complaint or anything it was just a story just a story nothing more than that for Christ's sake you relax and take a chill pill getting all high and mighty about someone telling a story about a dog trying to uh, trying to avail of local government services and doing it completely wrongly because he's a dog. He's a stupid, 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 stupid dog. But he doesn't mean to be a stupid dog. He's doing his best. He's doing his best and he's confused because he's getting mixed messages from society. On one, on one hand, he gets told he's man's best friend. You're man's best friend. You're one of the finest friends known to man. And then he goes around thinking, oh, everyone says I'm man's best friend. I don't really know why, but if they say it, why would humans lie about that? So they say, oh, I'm man's best friend, so I should be allowed to go to the pub with man. But then they go into a pub. And the first thing that happens is that the barman looks over and says, Is that a dog? Is that a dog in my bar? Is that a dog in my filthy flea ridden dog walking round in my bar? They're probably going to they're probably going to get the, the health inspectors down on me like a ton of bricks. I'll be shut down because of some filthy dog wandering round in my bar. Get out, get out, get out, get out of my bar, dog. Get out, 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 get out. And tell your best friend, whoever brought you here, uh, that he's not to be bringing his dogs in here. Get out, get out, get out. You're a filthy dog. Get out, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. 
And of course the dog would be thinking, for one thing, this is rather repetitive in more ways than one, because for one thing, I'm always having experiences like this. But for another thing, a few weeks ago on this episode, there was a there was a thing about a barman. Uh, there was cats happily drinking Guinness down at one end of the bar, and the barman noticed the dog come in, and he did, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, it's a filthy dog in my bar, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, and I think it turned into something about Bill Withers' lovely day, because get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, continuously for five minutes turned into being compared to doing Bill Withers' lovely day, that's what happened there, it was a repetitive in more ways than one, Ah, but that's fine. It's the holiday season. You're allowed to repeat things. Think of it as a best of. It's a best of, dog. You've experienced all this before, but you'll experience it all over again. Uh, well, for one thing, because your life is repetitive. This happens to you for a lot. But don't worry, you're a dog. You won't live very long, so it won't go on forever. It's not like you're going to spend the next 80 years going into bars and being told, oh, it's a dog, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Uh, and even if you are, uh, then that's on your own head be it, because you should have learned after the first five times. Man's best friend or not. Just because you're a man's best friend doesn't mean he's your best friend. He doesn't have to go let you into his fucking pub. There's more to life than dogs going into pubs. Uh, you remember that dog. Remember that. And then we'll remember that cats going into bars are far more lucrative in terms of storytelling. So that's why we, we usually kick the dog out. We usually have the barman going, oh, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. The dog wants to listen to a dog, even if the dog is 10 times better than the cat. And he likes to be man's best friend and he's all super organised with his appointments and doing his best. That doesn't mean the dog's more interesting than the cat. The cat is far more interesting because the cat is scheming usually or being an arsehole. Far more interesting to be an asshole cat than to be a dog. I think that's what you need to learn from this. Anyway, on with the show. Two cats walk into a bar. One of the cats goes straight up to the bar counter. Are you open today? Because it's New Year's Eve. I've no idea whether her pubs are open on New Year's Eve. Is this even a pub? I don't know. All I know is that it's a bar. You can have a bar pretty much anywhere. You can have a bar in a pub. Or you can have a bar in a circus tent that you've rented for some occasion. Such as, for example, New Year's Eve. Anyway, the point of your finest Guinness, please. And the man behind the bar says, Oh! you're in luck sir i am open on new year's eve i've got about 30 seconds left to process your order though because then it'll be midnight i have to start all over again then for accountancy reasons i suppose i better get a move on point the guinness is it and the cat says yes please point the guinness i see it's 20 seconds to midnight now do you want me to cancel the order and then start a new one just after midnight and the man behind the bar says, oh, no, no need for that, sir. No, no, sorry, I didn't even mean to trouble you with my red tape nonsense that I have to deal with for accounting reasons. I'll get this pint of Guinness order done and dusted by midnight and then it'll be all fine. Here we go, starting up the taps now. And the cat says, I don't mean to rush you, but there's another nine seconds till midnight. And the man behind the bar says, I'll just leave this bit to sit for a while before I top it off. It's three quarters away full uh, so I'll just sit here randomly and then I'll come back to it about one second to midnight and the cat says happy new year and the man behind the bar says oh happy new year to you too sir I will be happy not having to work on new year's eve again and the cat says oh good news it's not new year's eve anymore it's new year's day now you're not working today are you and the man behind the bar says, well, no, I won't be when I get home from this stupid fucking night shift. Although, when I get home, I'll probably have to have a shower and then climb into bed and then, I don't know, go for a piss and then have a, oh, have some breakfast. That's, I might as well be working if I'm having to do all that. So that's what I call work. Sitting here talking to you, young cat, that's not work at all. Uh, what was it you said you wanted? And the cat says, well, you've already started. That pint of Guinness is mine. And the man behind the bar says, oh, so it is. It doesn't seem to be completely full. Uh, let me just top it off for you. Would you like me to top it off with some 
more Guinness uh, like I normally do or would you like me to put some lemonade or something on it and the cat says why in the name of God would I want some lemonade and the barman says well because it's after midnight now and as I explained new financial period starting at midnight after reset all orders so I'm, I'm happy to do you up Guinness uh, but just to let you know just letting you know in case you wanted to add to make any changes to it and the cat says, well, that's a bit presumptuous. I haven't I haven't put in a new order. I haven't even realised that my order had reset yet, uh, even though you did warn me that that could happen. Uh, but no, you're presuming that I'm putting in a new order and you've already started. Oh, that's not okay. And the barman says, no, no, this is the Guinness that I started about uh, 30 seconds to midnight. Uh, a bit over-optimistic, I admit, but no, this is the one I started. Don't worry, I haven't started a new order without your permission. It's just an old one. And the cat says, oh, I see, so you're just going to give me the previous fella's order and top it up with whatever I want on it. Uh, that's a bit of a, that's a bit dodgy, do you not think? And the man behind the bar says, well, sir, we all know this is your Guinness that I started just before midnight. And I have to, I know I've explained, I have to start her all over again, technically financially and legally and pretend it's a new order and and the cat says sir you did not say anything about pretending you said that if you don't get it done and dusted by midnight we have to start a whole new order and i haven't made a whole new order you've just presumed uh to make one for me you haven't said that i still want a, a guinness if that was the one if it was still the same order i'd be happy to pay for it because i ordered it that's fair and square but no you're trying to you're trying to pretend that i've already made a whole new order to get around the loophole and that you're and that is already up and going that's not okay at all that's he, that's hella dodgy as the young people is that what the young people say do they say hella dodgy or did i make that up i'm not sure is hella dodgy a thing? Uh, you'd know, barman, because you're you're hella dodgy yourself. Or even if hella dodgy isn't a thing, you're at least dodgy. So you'd have some idea about the, uh, the oh the, uh, the vocab uh, surrounding dodginess. Is hella dodgy a thing, barman? And the barman says, oh, I see you're calling me barman now, instead of constantly going, and the man behind the bar says, that's fine, you finally got the hang of that, I see, after after 17 years. And the cat says, no, that's the narrator. I, I've never said the man behind the bar. The, the bar, it's the narrator who keeps going, and the man behind the bar says... Uh, if he, although I admit, if he's now going, if he's now switched to going, and the barman said uh, more than saying, and the man behind the bar said, which is a massive mouthful. Well, that's progress. It means he's finally learning. Maybe that's his New Year's resolution. He's decided I'm not going to keep going. And the man behind the bar says, and the man behind the bar says, I'm going to force myself. I'm going to say, and the barman said. Uh, and the barman said, that's, I suppose that's, that's interesting, young cat. Uh, so you think I'm dodgy, do you? You think I'm dodgy? You think I'm pulling one over on you? Uh, do you still want this Guinness, by the way? And the cat says, what Guinness? I don't know what you're talking about. And the barman says, uh, the Guinness that I had started pouring for you before Christmas, but obviously that order is done and dusted. And uh, but if you'd like to start a new order, uh, I'd be happy to have already started on it. Uh, and that'll be your Guinness. And the cat says, fuck you, you old bollocks. You might, you old bollocks. You are dodgy. You're a hella dodgy. You're a hella dodgy barman. Uh, and I think we should leave you behind and get a new barman for the new year. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, if you want your new financial periods and your new or a new barman for the new year. I think that's what the, that's what the case calls for. Everybody, would you like to get a new barman for the new year? Uh, and everybody goes, oh, is that a cat trying to do hiring and firing at her New Year's Eve event? What in the name of God does he think he's doing? And the cat says, excuse me, I think you'll find your New Year's Eve event is over. It's five past midnight. This is a separate New Year's Day event. Uh, and the rules are all changed now. Everything's reset. It's all reset. And the barman says, well, you say everybody. Who are you talking to exactly? And... Uh, 
Oh, and the cat says, well, I think you'll find uh, the word exactly is uh, irrelevant here. It's inexactly. I'm talking to everybody. I suppose that's exactly. I'm talking to everybody exactly. Everybody within, let's say, uh, an 85-foot radius of this bar. Uh, unless there's some unfortunate thing where the venue isn't completely circle and then the circle infringes on some other place uh, where there's people in another building who aren't part of this event i don't know you use your common sense whoever's at this event that's who i'm referring to the barman says uh but i thought you were talking to everyone at the new year's eve event and since new year's eve is now over you're saying that this is not the same event in fact is this event is this an event at all and the cat says, that's a good point. Uh, nobody has uh, announced any event, any New Year's Day event. So uh, the New Year's Eve event that we're all here for is presumably over because it's not New Year's Eve anymore. Uh, by default, that's over. So is this an event at all? Is this some sort of a scam, a tax scam? Uh, why don't you go start up a third Guinness now and try to try to blame it on a passing dog? You'll probably invoice him as well. You send him some invoice, some invoice on paid on faded dot matrix printer that nobody can read not least a dog uh, that's what you barmen do you send bills to dogs you know damn well as they don't know damn christ to hell as christ on a popsicle stick that when a dog comes into your bar the first thing you do is oh say oh there's a dog get out get out get out a filthy dog in my bar get out of my bar get out get out get out get out get out get out uh, and that's why, you know, as your attack, when you need a tax scam, you just, oh, you just uh, start up an invoice and issue it to a dog. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a real dog. Any imaginary dog, you're happy, you don't care. You don't care at all about the truth. You can't, you can't handle the truth. Uh, well, you don't, you'll never know whether you can handle the truth because... Uh, you've never, you've never tried to handle the truth. It's all automatic lies for you, isn't it, barman? And the barman says, no, it isn't. It is not. It is not automatic lies for me. And the cat says, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's clearly a lie. You've been caught red-handed in a lie. A lie to a cat as well. That's even... A cat who's already got the measure of you. I've got the measure of you, barman. And the man behind the bar says, Oh, have you now? How much is the measure? Is it? And the uh, cat says, Well, it's two measures of whatever uh, a barman measure is. What's that? Is it two thimbles? I don't know. Is it four-fifths of a pint of Guinness that you abandoned at five to midnight in a tax scam? That's probably what the measure is. Suffice to say, I've got the measure of you. I'm not going to say what your measurement is out loud. I'm not that stupid. You could sue me. Uh, even if it's not true, you can successively sue me by pulling the wool over the eyes of the jury and the court and everyone else. And then I could be ruined. I could be a ruined cat. I might as well be one of your dog customers then. Anyway, that's what I think of that. And the man behind the bar says, oh, isn't that cute? A cute little kitty catty is calling me uh, some sort of a scam thing. Some sort of a scam thing. Isn't that fantastic? You have all sorts in this world. I believe I was saying this last week, says the barman on the on the Christmas episode. I said, there's all sorts of people in this world. There's cats like this who come in and order a pint of Guinness before midnight and then get all weird about the order being continued after midnight there's dogs who come in here and supposedly get fraudulently invoiced by me the other people who come in here and who aren't really here at all they just happen to fall within the the radius which is defined to be this venue but they're not at the party at all they just happen to be in another building that happens to be within the circle geometrically officially part of the event although they're not now because it's after midnight so we're we're in nowhere land now it's like that song is it all bound for nowhere land oh no that's wrong it's all bound for moo moo land uh which are one oh the old country singer and those two fellas from england who threw the who burned a million pounds or something in a the stunt they went they're justified <laughs>
and they're ancient and something, 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 all bound for boo-boo land. All bound for moo-moo land, which admittedly is nothing to do with the nowhere lands that I was just referring to. Uh, but no, I can't automatically come up with a song uh, about every fucking thing that I mention on the fly, so it'll have to do as close enough as moo-moo land. If this was some hilarious comedy sketch show with not the nine o'clock news or something in 1983, and there was something about nowhere land, and he went, oh, all bound for nowhere land but it was to the tune of all bound for movie land you'd say close enough because it's a skit it's a comedy skit it's close enough Although then, of course, you'd have to point out that Noel Bang for Moo Moo Land didn't come out till several years after that, probably. I haven't checked the exact details. Uh, but no, I think not the nine o'clock news. I went on to the early 80s at the latest. And Noel Bang for Moo Moo Land, that was from the 90s, probably. Was it, was it from the 90s? I think it probably was. But those were the same fellas who did that Doctor Who thing. They did Doctor Who... Doctor Who, Doctor Who, the tireless Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Now I'm going to stop that because that song, the way I'm doing it, sounds exactly like the way they did it. So it's not a skit. It doesn't count as parody because that would be unfair and illegal. So no, we have to stop that now. You join me. A further tremendously exciting moment. Uh, I found them. Uh, it's been it's been about six minutes since I ended that segment to try and find my glasses. Uh, I looked around. I went everywhere. I checked on my head first. Uh, my headphones were on my head. Uh, my uh, oh, what else was on my head? My hat was on my head. I wear a hat indoors for the light. Uh, I have a. Oh, I checked on the bed beside me, or I checked around my harmonica and my box of recruitments, and then I checked very carefully on the floor because I was afraid I'd stand on my glasses. Uh, well, no, I checked, and then I needed some help. So I went out to the sitting room and I said, and my wife said, what's wrong? What's wrong? So I said, I can't find my glasses. I've mislaid my glasses. And she says, they're on your, they're on your face. They're on my face all along. I was looking through them. Uh, I don't know. Is that what... I don't know. That sounds like something someone would make up to put on a fucking podcast. But no, it's on a fucking podcast. I didn't make any of that up at all. Everything else is made up. The dog and everything else, that's all made up. But no, uh, me finding my glasses but not finding them because they're on my face. That's not made up. Uh, that's a fucking issue. That's an issue, that is.